All right, welcome to the Daily Doug. I am your host, Daily Doug, and we have a more traditional episode where I will talk a little bit of the Brewers, a little bit of Packers, and things of that nature, just to, I guess, be better rounded. Uh, the Milwaukee Admirals, they are in the conference finals. They beat Texas, so that is fantastic news. They're on a heater. I'll talk a little bit about that as well this week. It's going to be a little bit more than golf. But... The PGA Championship was amazing, and I've been hot in golf. Didn't have any bets hit last week, but I did cash with my team, and I looked to just extend that streak of cashing with my DraftKings lineups, and it's going very well, very well. That'll be this episode, just a little bit of everything, and I'll just go through a breakdown the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, I'll even talk a little bit about Michael Block and that kind of stuff, so... Buckle up, here we go. Here's another episode of The Daily Doug. All right, I do have to start out with golf, though. The PGA Championship, Brooks Kepka, amazing. That dude was flawless from tee to green. He didn't miss many shots at all. That bunker shot that he made was incredible on Sunday. I mean, that thing was plugged right in the side. He puts it to 10 feet. He did miss the putt, but what a shot. Like, what a shot. That's just Brooks Kepka just showing up for majors and doing his thing, holding off my other boy, Victor Hovland, who's just looking for major wins. Um, the dude plays for majors, and those courses have been setting up very well for him to do well. So it's good to see those two guys you know, play well. Then you have the other winner this week, and that's Michael Block. I'll get into him a little bit later, but the media is going crazy with this dude, jamming it down our throats. The PG, you know, PGA professional makes the cu- makes the cut, let alone qualifies, then makes the cut. Plays with Rory on Sunday, having the time of his life. So that's such a good story. Um, but that dude, they're acting like he won. <laughs> I mean, he did play well. I'm not going to take anything away, but they are acting like he won. Um, absolutely love the Michael Block story, but if Brooks wasn't on live, I'm, he's, this dude's getting more time than Brooks, who won the tournament. Uh, and then Brooks, he, he just goes over to the uh, the Florida Panther game and just gets just, I don't know, that dude hasn't slapped his eyes. <laughs> the dude's not even blinking anymore. So, uh Yeah. So that's that. Let's dive into the Charles Schwab Challenge here at Colonial, par 70, 7,200-yard course, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. This course can be get firm and fast, no rain type thing, Uh, and players can have some trouble with it. Like 20 under, 18, 20 under will probably win the field. 11 of the top 30 are participating. No Rory, Shoffley, um, Rom isn't in this either. So there are some notable absences, but it's still a very strong field, and I'll break that down here in a little bit as well. And then you have, as far as this course, like putting this week is very important. Uh, the last four winners have gained five-plus strokes with the putter, and you're just going to have to be able to putt well here. The f- greens can get dried out, and some you know cause some issues so you will have to putt on these bent grass smaller bent grass greens uh it's a classic tree line golf course where there's some big trees placed where if you're not on the right side of the fairway it can you know 
affect your approach shots, kind of like number five at River Island. Uh, if you have, I don't know, like there's just classic tree line, add in some dog legs, and you have yourself what comes to all these numbers come to driving accuracy and you have to be accurate with your driver this week it's a must it's a must and there are certain people that are really accurate with their driver and they are definitely in play this week um let's say a lot of guys they often club down like they're just trying to hit the right side of the fairway if you're on the right side of the fairway big tree overhang gotta be on um the right side of the fairway play it that way lots of bunkers and sand play is important on this par threes if you're wayward with any of them you can find some trouble and this course is leads off with a par five that's a must birdie the other par five is 635 yards but it played like the third easiest the last time they were here uh like i said par threes gotta hit the green on the par threes there's trouble around them sand around them and there's only one over 200 yards so the course isn't all that difficult it's just more strategic kind of like rbc heritage very you know this course relates to that and like i would say as far as scenic goes not pebble beach but the type of play golf play pebble beach and there's certain guys i'll go over that are good in those kind of conditions and course setups so let's just dive into it here and Let's start out with the 10K range. And we can't go any farther than Scotty Scheffler at 11.5K. This dude is an elite tee to green player. 2.7 strokes gained over his last 36. All right, on the field. He is lapping the field. The next best in terms of approach is Colin Morikawa at one and a half strokes. I mean, that's 1.2 strokes per round that this dude is gaining over the field in total strokes gained man this guy is phenomenal (laughs) it is it's special it's special and if you were to take that same 1.1 stroke per round and and like transfer it down there's 30 guys there's 30 guys in there that mix so scotty scheffler is just head and shoulders above the rest add in his 14 consecutive top 15s and as runner-up last year at this tournament, you have your guy that's just playing remarkable, love Scotty Scheffler, and if this dude just putts to a zero, he is going to win this tournament, all right? He gained a stroke and a half, almost a stroke and a half putting last week, and finished runner-up, or third, I think it ended up being. So he just putts somewhere near zero. This dude is going to win. You have Victor Hovland. He's in the mix this week. But this dude, I believe, is just playing for majors. Um, I think Oak Hill and those kind of setups, like those tough PGA Tour setups, um, those are good for him. You're seeing improvement, though, with his around-the-green numbers. And it's interesting because his around-the-green numbers, you're starting to see new shots, uh, different kind of contact coming from him from around-the-green. You have like these spinny bunker shots that all of a sudden are showing up where they're hitting the green, taking two, you know, two bounces and stopping. If you go back and watch some of these shots, I I watched a couple of them that were just different. They're just different for him. And I haven't like, I haven't seen Victor Hovland and he's one of my favorite guys. So I do notice this stuff. I haven't seen him really play 
Um, I really haven't seen him play with these kind of shots. Even in some of these other chip shots that he's hitting, they're just more crisp. So that's my Victor Hovland. He's 10.6K. You have Colin Morikawa at 10.4K. He was runner-up here in 2020. Um, this course just sets up well for him. He's not overly powerful. He's accurate with his driver. Good mid-iron player. Uh, good putter. Colin Morikawa is definitely a guy that I like this week. Then you have to go to Tony Fino. 10.7K. He's expensive. He's very expensive, especially after he played last week. But he's a good pivot off of Scotty, I guess, if he had to. Um, but last week is just an anomaly. Dude, worst ball striking week in two and a half years. He lost four plus strokes on his ball striking numbers. That's not Tony Fino. And it's hard to believe that he plays that bad again. If you look at his stats other than last week, he's got four top 25s, a runner-up here in 19, uh, fourth here in 2020, and this is just a good setup for him uh, to bounce back and hopefully play well. And that's pretty much all I do have for the 10K range. Max Homa, he's you know down in Texas looking for night driving ranges and trying to figure out his game. He had a bad day, one bad day at the PGA, but he's been playing okay. Um 10.1k, he's kind of a I don't want to say he's a bargain down there. I'm I'm more on the wait and see with Max Homa and that's going to round out the 10k range. Dropping down to the 9K range now. We have Jordan Spieth, 9.9K. He had that wrist injury, but I believe that is kind of done with, or he's found a way to cope with it. He's back in Texas. This dude is like the ultimate horses for courses type player. Um, He's got 40 rounds here. The dude loves it here. He's gained 2.41 strokes over those 40 rounds. So he's... The next best is Colin Morikawa. He's got 12 rounds here, and he's gaining 1.68. So put that into perspective. Jordan Spieth has been playing well at this course for a very long time. His short game was awful last week, and I just don't see that happening again. I believe he finds his short game great bunker player and one of the best short game players that we've seen when he was putting and winning all these majors when he was like putting so well and then he got kind of into a funk where he's looking at the hole not looking at the hole doing all this other shit he's you know starting to find a short game obviously it wasn't there last week but he is starting to find a short game and he's starting to gain some strokes on the field in place a lot better he's chalky he'll be chalky this week but i believe people might skip over that whole 10k range and just start with him it's warranted though those over that 40 rounds this dude has just been nothing but great here you have sam burns um previous winner played awful last week he's just been too inconsistent for me i'm not going to be playing sam burns especially at 9.7k sanjay m terrible last week just one of the worst ball striking weeks he's played in a long time you have to go back a long a long way um but usually he's very consistent and I'm willing to go back with him at 9.5K. Two top 15s in his last three starts. Sanjay M, I might go back to him. But the guy I really love in this 9K range, and rightfully so, Tommy Fleetwood. He's still looking for, can you believe it, that he's still looking for his first PGA Tour win? 
I read that and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I thought this dude is, has a couple under his belt anyways, but apparently not. And he's 9.2 K. Hold on. Let me take a drink of my coffee here. Three events in a row where Tommy Fleetwood has gained strokes across the board. Like that's every category. That's putting. That's short game. That's ball striking. That's approach. That's tee to green. This dude has just been fantastic. Three events in a row. Two of them, which were elevated events. One was a major. So he's doing it on the big stage. And you can't really... I don't know why you would doubt him at this point. There's other guys that have been like that, like Jason Day. Like, he won the week before the major. The dude was hammered leading up to the major. Didn't play the course at all, and he got O-killed. O-killed just took advantage of someone that wasn't prepared enough to play it and kicked him out of the tournament missed cut. So, Tommy Fleetwood, this dude, like I said, T15 at the RBC Heritage. This course sets up just kind of like the RBC. It's very similar track. T35 last year here. Tommy Fleetwood, I believe, can be a winner in this tournament. And he'll be in my bets this week. You can count on that. On to the AK range. And it starts with Ricky Fowler. Fourth best player in the field in total strokes gained over his last 36 rounds. All right. Fourth best player. Only Scotty, Rose, Spieth are better than him. All right, that's elite company. Uh, Justin Rose, man, this dude has been playing really good too, by the way. He's in that 9K range. Overpriced. I, I don't, I'm just not a Justin Rose fan. Dude, ever since he won his major, switched to those golf clubs, some Japanese brand, and um, faltered for a while, but he is starting to find his game. So he's playing really good golf. As is Ricky, though. I'm talking about Ricky here. He's playing good golf. He missed the cut at the PGA on the number. But he gained strokes. So if you're missing a cut and gaining strokes on the field, there's some you know issues, I guess, with that. But Ricky Fowler, he's playing good. I'm not going to look too much into uh, that missed cut at the PGA. Then you have Cam Davis. Shoots 65 on Sunday. You know, finds his driver. He's like... He's been driving the ball great. He's great value at 8.6K. And then it comes out, like, if you look at his course or if you look at his history, this dude has a ton of missed cuts and inconsistencies. And it comes out that he was sick and he hasn't been feeling right most of the year. All right? Um, He's got a T7 here last year, but this whole year he hasn't been feeling well he's getting right he's had a good last three tournaments um cam davis is someone that at 8.6k would be a good fit and then you have hoagie i'm skipping over him 8.5k this course doesn't fit his eye he statistically it should fit his eye it just doesn't this dude plays awful misses the cut here and when he does make the cut, he doesn't place well. Minwoo Lee, 8.4K. He's missed three straight cuts. He's very inconsistent. This AK range is just something that I'm not too fond of. Um, Denny McCarthy, though, you can find he's okay. He's been playing well. I do like him. He finished 29th at the PGA Championship, 8th at the Wells Fargo, 25th at the RBC Heritage. He's been playing a lot better. I guess if in this AK range, if you had to pick a guy, a go-to guy, I would take Denny McCarthy this week. Um, and that's pretty much it. Jaeger has been consistent. Taylor Moore, 
He's another consistent guy. But Kitayama, he had a good week last week, but he's in the 7K range. Yeah, I if I'm picking a guy in the 8K range to exceed my expectations, I'm going with Cam Davis and Denny McCarthy. Those are my two 8K range guys that I would go with. On to the 7K. And this is where I like to take a good look at the 100-round baselines and see where these play, all these players are playing in their last 36 rounds. Everything's last 36. It's just how they sort them. You can go last 25, and you can even go, like, last five. But last 36 rounds is a good gauge of how somebody's playing currently. And then you compare it to their 100 rounds, and you get their baseline. And if you want to look for, this is a good way to find like hot players. And then you can find like a hot player, like a Nick Taylor, who's 7.2K. He's playing out of his gourd. Um, he's one point, oh, he's even more. He's 0.8 strokes above his 100-round baseline, okay? So where does that put him? If he plays pretty much at that level, where does that put him? And it puts him fourth in the field. All right. If he plays above his baseline, Nick Taylor at some point, two K would be fourth in the field. I don't. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I don't think Nick Taylor is going to be finishing fourth in this field. Maybe I'm wrong. A guy I like even more than that, though, um, just based off his numbers, is Eric Cole. Seven point two K. Love Eric Cole this week. He's playing two thirds of a stroke over his baseline. But he's doing it in all categories, not just like a really hot putter, not just like a really good approach shots. He's doing it all over the board. Um, he had the lead at the PGA Championship, darkness, frost, they call it. This dude has to sleep on his lead at five under par, wake up the next morning at God knows what time, start on hole six, which is the hardest to- hole in like PGA Championship history and golf history. This hole was one of the hardest holes ever. Wakes up, has to play that hole, doubles it, and still finishes T15 on the week. Eric Cole, man, that dude, last four starts, T15, T23, miscut at the Wells Fargo, and then a T5. So he stands out in this in this 7K range, and I like him at 7.2K. And then we have our guy that we have to play this week, Brendan Todd. 7.8K. He's one of the most accurate drivers on tour, one of the best putters on tour, but he's also one of the shortest players on tour. He doesn't hit the ball very far. So Oak Hill isn't going to stand up for him. He's not going to play Oak Hill well. And that's just like the miscut warranted, okay? Top eight the last two years here at this course. This course sets up. Like if you're going to play Brandon Todd, this is a course you do it. This and like Pebble Beach, like I was saying before, RBC Heritage. He was eight T for T eight at the Wells Fargo, and this is just such a good spot for him at seven point eight k. I'm definitely playing him or finding a way to play him, and rightfully so. Other good guys in the seven k range we have Smalley, Alex Smalley. Um, he's seven point six k. He's he was scorching hot like scorching hot back in November of last year. He was playing so well in the fall and then all of a sudden like the new year hit and the dude just lost his shit. He he played awful missing cuts all over the board, but 
these last two weeks at the Wells Fargo and at the PGA Championship, I should say his last two events, he seems to have found something, and all of his numbers are kind of comparing to those fall numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, 23rd at the PGA Championship, T18 at the Wells Fargo. Smalley at 7.6K isn't a bad bet. Other guys in this range, if you want to, um, at 7.1K, you have Matt Naismith, Neesmith. He was 23rd at the PGA Championship, 30 at the Byron Nelson, 35 at the Wells Fargo, RBC 59. He's a guy that you can kind of go into. And then Sam Stevens is another guy that you can look at in this range at the 7.1K. He's another guy that you might want to give a look. Um, I prefer Smalley over both those last two, but that's just me. Now, last but not least, we have the 6K range. And Michael Block at 6.9K. Another drink of coffee here. This dude is valued over guys like Ches Reevy, Dylan Wu, Carson Young, and Alex Noren, Cameron Champ. He's valued over a lot of these guys. Akshay, Batia. I don't know. I don't know how he got this number after one good week um, at a PGA Championship on a course that's totally different than this. This is kind of an old man's course. So, if you know, play to the sides of the fairway you want. Hit good approach shots and do your thing, right? Michael Block gained six strokes putting last week. Um, he's in on a sponsor exemption. The media took control of him. He's had more media obligations than Brooks. This guy's been promoted, jammed down her throat. There's just a lot going on for Michael Block right now, trying to reschedule all of his golf lessons. Um, he also made the Canada Open. You know, there's just a ton going on for this guy right now. 6.9K. If he's 10% owned, it's obviously way too much. And if he's 10% on, I, 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 I hope he misses the cut. <laughs> For my sake, why would I want to play a 10% on Michael Block, BJ, you know, professional, over guys like Ches Reevy, who this is a Ches Reevy setup. And if you're going to play Ches Reevy, this is a week to play Ches Reevy. He's one of the most accurate drivers. Um, he was T11 at the RBC. Like I said, very similar course. Ches Reevy is a guy that I absolutely love this week. He hasn't been playing, like, great, but he has finished He finished 40th at the PGA Championship, missed cut at the Wells Fargo, Mexico Open, 49th. I mean, this is a Ches Reevy course. And then another guy that I love down here is Dylan Wu. This is a, a fantasy dream, 6.6K, one of the best fantasy players out there. Um, his price just never changes. He did miss the cut at the Byron Nelson, had a bad day two. He was three under day one, awful day two, gave it all away. It happens. He's accurate enough. He's a good enough putter. T21 and then finished before that, and then T15 in Mexico. Dylan Wu at 6.6K, great. Then another guy. See, I like this range. I like this range. Carson Young. All I have to say is three top 20s in his last five starts. All right? You look at his stuff, like the Wells Fargo wasn't his T-18. 
Castillo, but RBC, T19, Mexico, 15th. Then, you know, you go to Putacana, very similar, like 38th. This dude is another course where it sets up well for him. He's priced well at 6300 that you can really, really play some of these guys down here and you don't pay up for your top end guys and cash all week. So this is setting up for one of those weeks where you can find value low, play your top end guys, hit your cash lineups and cash. So that's what I'm going to do and keep my streak alive. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much the field. And now I'll go over some DK builds in just a little bit. All right, anybody with some last minute stuff here needs to know, here are my DK lineups for this week. Um, Here we go. I'm posting this episode kind of late. I got busy at work and... I really didn't have time to make this last segment. I, I record this stuff over two or three days, and it gets tough to get it done sometimes. But here I am at the nth hour right before the thing goes here, and we are looking at my DK lineup. And I really like it, honestly. I put some time together. I had this all ready to go. I just needed to be able to explain it to you here. If it ever loads up, that would be great. All right, so my DK lineup this week looks pretty good. Um, I Actually, I really like it, and it's going to cash. This one, I'm almost for certain. It all kind of depends on how a couple of my 6K guys go, but I start out with Scotty Scheffler at 11.5K, follow him up with Tommy Fleetwood at 9.2K. He's going to be highly owned, guys, but I like him too much not to play him. I think Tommy Fleetwood might get his first win, and I'll bet on him. Um, Denny McCarthy at 8.7K, Eric Cole at 7.2K, and then <clears throat> we have Austin Eckerot at 6.7K and Dylan Wu at 6.6K. That leaves $100 on the table. Um, if you're going to mix and match a little bit, go ahead, but I, ax- I absolutely love this lineup. I'm, I'm excited for Eric Cole this week. I really am. I believe he has a great week and finishes, I'm, I'm guessing, top 15 for him this week. That dude has been on a tear. I kind of like him uh, more than Dylan Wu, who's also been good. But Eric Cole, man, that dude, I just I think he competes this week for sure. So that's my DK lineup. Enter it up. That's, more of a, that's a cash lineup. There's some pretty chalky players in there, but that's cash lineup. Enter it in. Good luck and win. Now... On to my bets for this week. Like I said, if you guys like what I'm doing, holler at me at RIGC underscore Pinseeker on Twitter. Um, Holler at me there and tell me that I'm doing good. I suck. Tell me whatever you want, but your bank account's going up because mine sure in the hell has. And that's great. I absolutely love it. Daily Doug, we are sitting at positive 39 units on the year. Had a rough PGA championship. We didn't win a single bet. But... Hey, you know, sometimes you have those weeks. We're close on a lot of things, but they just didn't quite pan out. Sanjay M, uh, the dude just played absolutely awful, and that kind of screwed us. So, on to the betting portion of this thing. And Scotty Scheffler, 4-1 to odds. Those are pretty short odds. Even though he is by far the best player in this field, they are really short. 4-1 to odds. Are you really going to put a unit to win four times your money? Maybe. I guess. I mean, that he's got to beat a lot of people. A lot of things. It's hard to win in golf, but... He seems to be right there. 
Um, anyways, so I'm not. I'm going to stay away from Scotty, and he might go ahead and win this. But Colin Morikawa at fourteen to one odds. Uh, he's you know lost in a playoff. He plays well here. He isn't playing well right now, but you never know. I do like Victor Hovland sixteen to one. I don't think I'm going to bet on him though. He just, you know, finishing runner up kind of sucks. Regaining your stuff and then coming to an elevated event trying to win this one back, you know, the highs and lows, the ups and downs, feeling like you're so close. I just don't think that he gets it done this week. Um, I'm going down. I'm going to start my betting with Tommy Fleetwood at 20 to 1 odds. I absolutely love it. Tommy Fleetwood, 20 to 1. Um, then I can go Cam Davis at 35 to 1. Denny McCarthy at 51 is a great bet. That is a great bet at 50 to 1, Denny McCarthy. And if like you put him in the top 10, four and a half to one odds to get in the top 10 for Denny McCarthy. Those are both good bets for this stuff. Brendan Todd, 70 to 1 odds, five and a half to one odds to make it into the top 10. I like Brendan Todd. I don't think he's going to win, but a top 10 bet is definitely worth your money. I'm not even going to do EWH. Just Brendan Todd. Brendan Todd, top 10, 5.5 to 1. And then Eric Cole, 75 to 1. He's my long shot to to win it this week. He is my long shot. 75 to 1. Eric Cole, putting put an EWH on him as well. Um, 6 to 1 for the top 10. I do. I, you'll get your money back on Eric Cole this week for the EWH as well. So, that's what I have, and hopefully you all can bet along win, with me, win some money. Like I said, let me know how I do. Dylan Wu at 180 to 1 odds is good. Ches Reeve, 180 to 1 odds. He's, he, he can win a tournament, you know, um, but I'm just I'm going to stay away from that stuff. Um, kind of keep it light. Keep it light this week. So that's how I am going to bet. So, like I said, if you like what I'm doing, holler at me at RIGC underscore Pinseeker on Twitter. And that's going to wrap it up for the golf portion of this podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit of Brewers after this break, and that'll be about it. Our Milwaukee Brewers. And I don't know why. They have, they started out good. They're about a third of the way through the season. They started off hot, won six of their first seven. They had a big West Coast swing for San Diego, Seattle, and Arizona. They went seven and three on that. And we are all feeling good, right? We are all feeling good. But within that stretch, Woodruff was sent to the 15-day deal. Hauser was on a rehab assignment. Urias went out to a 60-day IL. And then you had Garrett Mitchell on a 10-day IL at that time and then april 21st hit and this is where the turning point the injuries caught up to him since april 21st or 11 and 17 uh matt bush i guess that was a good thing on the 24th he got sent to the 15 day il so that was a good thing but garrett mitchell then on the 30th of april he got sent to the 60 day il how is it came back it hasn't been the same woodruff went to a 60 day dl void to a 10 d Day DL on the on May fifteenth, Wade Miley on a fifteen day on the seventeenth, Eric Lauer on a fifteen day on the twenty second, and injuries, 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 and all to like their top pitchers. Um, 
that is tough to sustain good pitching when your top pitchers get injured. You're not going to have that same dominance. And when they do come back, it usually takes them a start or two to find it again. And things just kind of slowly work back to hopefully better. But you never know. You never know how, you know, pitchers are different. They're a head case. You know, these guys go out there. Corbin Burns goes out there and just gets jacked against the Astros the other day. So who knows what you're going to get from this Brewer pitching staff, although it has been good. It's been good, and the hitting has been the problem. They have four guys right now batting over 250. That's awful, and two of them are at 255, so they aren't batting well at all. Uh, Owen Miller, he's their best in terms of average. He's getting on base, but he's got 97 at-bats. He's, you know, 50 at-bats behind you know, the leading at-bat getter, and he's batting 330, two home runs, eight RBIs. I think we should probably play him a little bit more than what we do, uh, but with the vote injury, he's been, you know, getting some more time. Um, and then you have Adonis. I mean, that dude has been awful. Uh, he's batting a measly 208, and he's just been on a struggle bus as of late. Still a good player, you know, but he's just not... You know, we're not used to him struggling this bad. And it's just kind of been how it is. Then you had Yelich. You can't start out a season much worse than Christian Yelich did. But, man, this May, he's been on fire. He's had a great May. And then he got a little bit of an injury. He had multi- he had a four-game hitting streak, multiple three-game hitting streaks, with multiple hits in those hitting streaks. Uh, so he's been a little bit on a tear. People are saying, is he back? Is he back? Then he goes out against St. Louis and gets swiped. So... Um, who knows? He gets hurt, comes back though. He's got a couple of hits in a row again, so I don't think that injury really affected him a whole lot. Hopefully, Christian Yelich can stay the Christian Yelich that he's been in May for the rest of the season. That would bode well for the Brewers. They need him to pick up, you know, kind of get to his 2018 self a little bit in order for this team to really have a chance in this division. Um, they're in a good spot in the standings. It's just we're not they're struggling and when teams go through struggles throughout the course of a year it's always tough to you know weather the storm type thing but in the grand scheme of things they're 25 and 22 all right they are currently sitting tied for first place in the division with Pittsburgh the Cubs are four and a half back St. Louis is five back Cincinnati five back so they are right there. They're in the hunt for the division. They're playing poorly at the moment, but so is everybody else in that division. You look at the last 10s for a lot of these teams, they aren't anything different. I mean, Brewers play better at home than they do, but I don't know. The run differential is where it's at right now. They are not hitting the ball. Um, minus 12 in run differential. When you're above 500 and you have a minus 12 run differential, Something's going wrong. Uh, something's going wrong and it needs to be fixed. The answer to that, who knows? It's always something with the Milwaukee Brewers. They, you know, just get us a training camp type, you know, mentality. And that's pretty much what they've been good for. And honestly, you really can't say that. This Brewers team's been competitive for eight, ten years in a row now. And they're on a good run. If you look at the grand scheme of things, this is positive daily, Doug, coming at you here. Like, 
in the grand scheme of things, the Brewers have been good. Last year they missed the playoffs, but they traded. They made one of the worst trades in history with Hader and all that stuff, and then you know pissing off Corbin Burns this whole offseason. They you know besides that they have been good. They've been in the playoffs. They made a couple runs. Um, 2018, I thought, was the year. It had to be the year, and they didn't quite get it done. They lost in that game seven. So, I don't know. I can't be too disappointed about where this Brewer team has been, much like it's just a Wisconsin sports team, right? In the hunt, never gets it done. And that's kind of how it's been. Uh, Packers, always in the hunt, never get it done. Bucks, they got it done in 2021. But then they've been one seeds and, you know, they just shit the fucking bed, just like typical Wisconsin sports team. But that's just how I am thinking at the moment. That's my, you know, spiel on the Brewers this week. It's good to start talking a little bit different sports. Um, I'll give you a little more updates, weekly updates maybe on the Brewers. All right, y'all, I hope you like the podcast this week. Hopefully, like I said, you guys can bet along, win with me. Sorry I didn't get to the Packers stuff, but my work has me freaking slammed at the moment. I just don't have time for it. Um, Like I said, this takes me a little bit to do these kind of episodes, so just kind of bear with me. And that's why this one's coming out at 10 o'clock the night before the freaking tournament begins. So all five of you that might listen before the tournament starts, good luck out there, and hopefully... um, I can win you some money. So until next week, this is, this concludes another episode of The Daily Doug.